We began a series last week, and let me just say, I, I, you, you, you may think I say this all the time. You know what? When God speaks and when God shows up, I think everybody needs to be a part of it. Amen? He, want, he wants us all to be a part of it. And last Sunday when we began this series, there was a special grace and anointing on our service last Sunday. And on this message, it was as though God was speaking through frail human flesh. And so I want you, if you missed last Sunday, to get online at, at www.cotrnorth.com uh, and you can find the audio, the video may accidentally be there by now and, and just get caught up because last week as we introduced this series on shift, preparing your ways for greater days, it seemed like God had an extra special blessing and anointing upon this message. So with that in mind, let me read Isaiah 54. It's our keynote uh, verses uh, that kind of get us going along these lines uh, and get us moving in this thought pattern that God has greater days for us, but we've got to prepare our ways for greater days. In fact, before I read, look at, look at your neighbor and say, we've got to prepare our ways for greater days. Greater days don't just accidentally happen. You've got to prepare your ways for greater days. And this is what Isaiah 54 is all about. It's about God's Word coming to, to, to His children, declaring to them, even when they were in some barrenness in life, how He's going to move them to greater days. Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. In other words, God has greater days. Tell somebody else, God has greater days for you. He really does. I don't know what's going on in your world today. I don't know what's up with you. I don't know the circumstances of your life. I don't know the issues. Everybody say issues. Now, if you're here today and you know somebody within a five-foot radius of you has issues, just raise your hand. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, somebody right next to you has issues. Okay, all right, right. We all have issues. And God has greater days for us. He doesn't want you to stay in your mess. He doesn't want you to stay confused, depressed, troubled, barren, problematic in life. He wants to move you to greater days. And he says this. So here it is. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for, uh, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood. For your husband is your maker, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He who, called the God, he who is called the God of the whole earth. For the, for the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife when you were refused, says the Lord. For a mere moment I've forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. With a little wrath I hid my face with you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. And everybody go, hallelujah. Man, that's good news for all of us because wherever we are, uh, he wants to move us to a place of productivity and success. But we notice from verse 2 and 3 that if we're going to see God's best for our life, if we're going to move into greater days, we've got to prepare our ways. 
And I speak of spiritual preparation, mental preparation, even financial preparation. There's all kinds of areas of our life where we need to really kick it in gear and make some changes. Uh, and so, in, in fact, successful transition and progress always cr- requires a shifting in our life. Some things we've got to shift and change in our life in order to see change. Let me ask you this. How many of you got some things in your life you need to change? How many of you see some things that need to change in your life today? Again, yes. You know what? Let me just help you here. If there's some things in your life that need to change, you might better start changing some of them. There's some things you can do, right? And then there's some things God can do. In fact, the God who never changes is always busy about the business of changing things. The word shift means to change. To transfer from one place to another. To change gears. To reposition your life. And preparing your ways for greater days will require you to shift some things in life. To change some things. To reorder some things. To reprioritize some things. To reposition some things. And to refocus on some things. There's a lot of things you and I can do in order to allow God the opportunity to do what only He can do. Could I get a better amen, somebody? Amen. Thank you. Last week, I talked about change a little bit. I gave you five things about change. Number one, change is what? It's inevitable. Everything's going to change at some point. You can't stay the same. You'll change. Change is uncomfortable. If I ask you today to change places and sit with other people today, some of you would run out here screaming like you're on fire. Ah, don't do that, Pastor. Because it's uncomfortable. Change, but also change is verifiable. If you're going to change, everyone say, everyone say, change is inevitable. Everyone say, change is uncomfortable. Everyone say change is verifiable. If you say you're changed, there must be evidence, right? And then number four, we realize this change is biblical. God wants to change you. He's a transforming God. And then number five, uh, we realized last week that change begins because it is internal. That's where it really begins. If you want to change some things out there, you got to begin changing some things right here. And the God who never changes wants to change and transform your heart. Listen, if you lifted your hand a few moments ago and asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and the leader of your heart, you asked him to come into your heart. That's where, it, that's where change begins. You see, you can't become a Christian by changing all the external issues of your life. If you just say, well, I'm going to start being a good boy. I'm going to start being a good girl. I'm not going to smoke, chew, or go with the girls that do. I'm, in fact, I'm going to help the poor. I'm going to come to church every Sunday. I'm going to do this and that. You can't be good enough to get to God there must be a transformation of heart which only he can do are you with me amen and so that was last week now interesting thing happened to me this morning or in the middle of the night you know all week long I prepare for Sunday's message and I had Sunday's message fine-tuned and also had had uh, notes from for, for the next few weeks that I've been compiling and oh I, I love I love preparation and I'm I, I felt really prepared and I had some things that I'd been thinking about and and then I had my message all together in fact from Isaiah 54 I developed a message about uh, about some things that you and I must do in order to to uh, uh, prepare our days for prepare our ways for greater days and I may preach that next Sunday but in the middle of the night I had a dream and here's what I dreamed. The dream was this. I was talking 
it was almost like uh, I was in church. I don't know where I was. Where's Angela? Angela, is that you? Angela, this was not you, but it was a woman that had long, dark hair. And I was telling her about the clutch. Now, remember the definition of, of shift. It, it's to change gears. And I was given this illustration, and this was in my notes, by the way. This wasn't something that just came to me in a dream. I had this in my notes. But I was telling, all, telling her all about the clutch and how if you're going to change gears in a standard car, you've got to push in the clutch, and then you've got you to let off the gas, and you've got to push in the clutch, and then you can shift the gear, and then you let off the clutch at the same time you're giving it a little uh, gas, and it takes a lot of coordination. And I was dreaming that dream, and I'm, I may tell you it was detailed. I was all excited about explaining. And so I woke up this morning going, maybe I need to tell them about the clutch. And so I shifted gear let me tell you about the clutch here's the clutch the clutch is a mechanism for connecting and disconnecting the engine from the transmission now the transmission is where all the gears are right now when i grew up now i know that's uh, how many of you here are over 50 raise your hand okay so you know more about the clutch than anybody you ever have to drive a standard transmission? Mastia, you're telling your age. You drove, a, you drove a standard? Now, there's two phrases that I learned early on. It's, it's a three, on the, three on the, on the column. Is that what it was? Or four in the floor. Woo! man and when you when you were growing up when I was growing up man if you had a hearse shifter it didn't matter if you had a popcorn engine if you had a hearse shifter with four in the floor you were bad to the bone did you have a hearse shifter you did we all had them they're a little gripper like a gripper of a pistol man and it's four in the floor and that and and the gears if you didn't learn the clutch if you didn't become coordinated you had to be coordinated to shift gears. You can't just give it gas and start cramming. Because if you miss the clutch, you could do serious damage to the transmission. Anybody here ever had ever ever ground a few gears and you're like, ah, whoop, forgot the clutch. Beverly, you did you ever drive four on the floor? You did? The Mustang was a shifter? I thought it was automatic. How many of you just all, you've never, let me just say, how many of you never driven a, a manual transmission car? I think that we need to make that a priority for all of you. <laughs> to go through the trauma. All you need to do is steer and give it the gas. Uh, uh, the letter D, boom, away we go. The letter D stands for drive. Well, Hey, and so we've all uh, experienced on some level. My dad taught me how to drive the stick shift. It's called the stick shift. And he taught me it takes coordination. Uh, and I'm not very coordinated, but he taught me that. And so, but you've got to be coordinated. In fact, here, let's all try this. Let's all p- pretend we're in a, a souped up, four in the floor. I don't know anything about how to describe it. It's a hot rod, but it's a shift. We're, everybody ready? You, can't, you cannot cross your legs while you're doing this. Because you got to be coordinated. 
Where's your, where's, your where's your accelerator? Where's the clutch? It's your left foot. All right? And here, we'll, here's the shifter. Here's the accelerator. And here's the clutch. Left foot clutch. Right foot accelerator. Okay. You're starting. Okay. You're sitting in your car. All right. You got to, if it's in gear, you either put it in neutral or push in on the clutch. So let's just play like it's in neutral. And the emergency brake's on. We're saying we put it in neutral. You crank your car. Boom, boom. And let's say you don't have to back up. You can just go forward. First thing you do is push in the clutch. Come on, push in your left foot. Are you there? As you clutch in. Now put it in, put it in first. So you had to learn. There's first, second, third. Oh no, who knows where fourth was? It was up here. Some some were different. Some were first, second, third, fourth. Yeah, there you go. And then reverse was some whacked out spot somewhere that you didn't accidentally, you didn't want to accidentally get there, so they'd put it over here somewhere. So your first, second, third, fourth. It's like an H, you remember? So here we are. Push it on the clutch, put it in first, give it a little gas, and let out on the clutch. At the same time, you gotta be coordinated. Okay, the clutch is out. Don't, don't, you know. And, and let's stop. Let's stop. Remember when you first started learning this? You could not be coordinated. You go clunk, 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 clunk. I'm getting close to a spiritual analogy, but let me just say, a lot of y'all's life is like that. Clunk, 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 clunk. So you're, oh, you're in first. Okay, the engines, the tachometers, it's time to shift. Oh my gosh, OMG, what do I do? Let off the gas, push in the clutch, and shift to second. Let Push out the clutch, let on the gas. Oh, there's second. Oh, we're going second. Okay, oh no, it's time to shift again. Here we go to third, because we're down in second. Let off the gas, put it in the clutch. Go to third. Okay, what do I do? Let off the clutch, give it some gas. Clunk, 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 clunk. And then shift to fourth. Oh, God. We made it to fourth. Oh, no, a stop sign. Oh, no, clutch. Oh, no, there's another pedal now. Let off your right foot and hit the brake, for goodness sakes. Oh, no, shift down to second. Maybe, boom. Oh, I got to find first. Oh, my gosh, that was tough. Oh, I stopped. And about the time you stop, it's time to start all over again. Woo! I told you, man, I'm all frothed up just. But when you get it down, man, you'll find you. you and when you, if you got a little, you go, you pop that, you can burn off. Man, I had a car that would burn off in second gear. You can't do it without the clutch. My dad taught me. In fact, you realize it's not just in cars, there's clutches everywhere. You just don't see them. Are you with me? Have you followed me so far? Let me give you some... Now, let's see if we can't try to make some spiritual sense of all this. Look at your neighbor and say, we're all standard. Nothing special about you. You can't just, you can't just cruise through life. From one level to the next, it will always require a shift. It will always require the clutching. Spiritual progress. Hey, spiritual progress 
takes practice. It takes coordination. It takes effort. And when you're going to shift, move to a, from one place to another uh, to change gears, reposition and change some things in your life, there's some shifting that has to go on that requires the clutching in life uh, and arriving at, in our greater days is going to require some real practice as we prepare our ways for greater days where we can become skilled, if you will, in the shifts that God has in our life. Are you with me? Now, let me just get you to where I believe we want to go this morning. And this is where I believe, and from a biblical standpoint, I see it over and over again. And it is the, the, the clutch. What is the clutch in my life? I really looked and I realized that faith-filled prayer, prayer is like a clutch in our life. A, a spiritual clutching, if you will. And so think about it for a moment. I want to show you this. Faith-filled prayer has a clutching effect that allows us to shift gears and move to another level. If we don't get this one down, it doesn't matter how good we are at acceleration or at braking or at shifting. If you don't get clutching down, None of the other things that you think you have down are going to benefit you and you're going to be grinding, in a sense, the spiritual gears of your life. And faith-filled prayer, catch, catch this, here's what it does. Here we are in the middle of our life. Oh, we're all engaged with life. OMG, we got issues. Look at your neighbor and say, I told you you had issues. We all have issues. We all have situations. We're all wanting to get from where... I've never met too many people that just love where they're at. Now, there's a contentment that comes if you're walking with God good, but most people look at their life, they look at their marriage, they look at their future, they look at their job, they look at their family, they look at their circumstances, they look at their situation, they know some things need to change, some things need to shift in life. I can't stay the way I am. Some things need to change, and I've realized in life that here we are in the middle of all our life, and some of us, we just try to change things, and we're just grinding the gears, and we're trying to change. Maybe I need a new job, and we grind the Maybe I need a new husband. Oh, we really grind. Maybe I need. We're just. And then life is one frustrated, uh, 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 unproductive, unhealthy, unholy mess. And we find ourselves in the shop and paying a great price because we did not know how to shift gears spiritually in our life. Now, let me show you this biblically. A strong prayer life. Here you are. You've been grinding the gear. Let me tell you what prayer does. And here's what the clutch does. It disengages the engine, which is turning and running the drive shaft. It disengages, when you push in the clutch, it, it disengages the gears, the transmission from the engine. For a moment. The engine keeps turning. But the transmission disengages. Therefore, down the drive shaft and the wheel, it all disengages. And therefore, the clutch allows you to shift the gear. And then the clutch puts it back in, and engages it basically with the engine. And down the road you go. Let, let me tell you what prayer does. Prayer, a, a faith-filled prayer life, disengages you from this world. And re-engages you with His. And in every circumstance of life, when you push in the clutch, what you are saying, when you push in the clutch at the place of prayer, 
you disengage from this life for a moment because in order to get from one place to the next, you need his wisdom and insight in your life. And so you're praying and asking God and he's speaking to you and he's helping you. And then you re-engage with life, with his life. That's why the Bible says, let me just tell you, if you were in rush hour traffic with a standard uh, truck, pickup, car, or bumper to bumper, you, oh, you're shifting all the time. You're clutching all the time. It's a constant motion. You're always back and forth. That's why they came out with the automatic. What are we just? What's going on? Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. But there's no automatic when it comes to shifting and changing and arriving at the place that God has for you in your life. And that's why we see through Scripture that people, God's people, even Jesus, were always shifting. That's why Paul said this. Pray with First Thessalonians five fourteen maybe. Pray without ceasing, because life is complicated. Somebody say, "You tell me, preacher." Life is complicated. You know, I, I'm not picking on Angela, but her and Trent are headed north, and 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 it's it's a shift, isn't it? They're actually changing locations. They're shifting. And the best way from the get, for them to get from here to there and then to wherever is not by grinding the gears, but by faith-filled prayer. That did, when Beverly and I came here, we were pretty comfortable where we are. We had, got, we had found automatic. We were in cruise mode. And then all of a sudden, we had to shift. We began to pray. When I would think about it in my own mind and about the changes and the shifts in life, I'd get fearful and fretful and frothed up. But then when I began to pray about it, oh, my Lord, when the clutch went in and I disengaged from that and I began to engage the presence of God at the place of prayer and engage the Spirit of God and the Word of God and the will of God, I sensed His peace. And then I would re-engage and I'd go through life and I'd man, I think I'm on the road here. Woo, I made a successful shift. Because we did it with faith filled. We bathed it in prayer. Amen. How many of you have ever needed to disengage for a moment? Unless you disengage, from, unless you push in the clutch, you'll always be grinding the gears. But if you push in, push in the clutch and you learn how to develop in your life a consistent, persistent clutching, if you will, it, with the, at the place of prayer, you'll begin to find that the transitions of life, the changes, the shifts that come your way become more smoother and more fluid and more progressive and more less frustrating as you learn the fine art of faith-filled prayer. You become skillful in prayer. You become coordinated at the place of, place of prayer. That's why Paul said in uh, Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. This is the living Bible, I think. Don't worry about anything, but oh, pray about everything. Amen? Pray about it. Oh, just pray about it. Oh, I got it now. I'm learning to make the shift. I think of David. David is a real prayer warrior. I love reading the, reading the Psalms. I love the life of David. And you know, you remember David. You remember David. Look at your neighbor and say, you remember David. What's the, where does David come on the scene?
He slew Goliath. But let me just say, you go back and look at his life, you know that David, he walked with God even at a young age. He learned the things of God. He was a psalmist. He was a prayer, and he, and he worshiped the Lord in his life, and, and, and he endeavored to follow God. In fact, he, here's what it says. Oh, let me see, Psalm 55. He said this, evening and morning, verse 17, evening and morning and noon, I will pray and cry aloud. He said, evening. And morning and noon, I'm crying aloud. I know my life's complicated. And so I know that every day, all day long, I'm shifting, I'm praying, I'm seeking God. And it's helping me move through this life into the place where God has for them. The Bible says, as a little shepherd boy, he came out of obscurity and led God's people. And I believe it's because he learned the fine art of spiritual clutching in his life. Morning, noon, night, he would cry out to God, always praying. In fact, Ziklag, everyone say Ziklag. 1 Samuel 30, you know the story, you may not, I'm going to tell you anyway. He and his mighty men had been off conquering kingdoms and fighting enemies. and They came home to Ziklag where they were and their families They came to Ziklag and all their families had been kidnapped and the Ziklag was on fire. And David's mighty men were so distraught by it, it says they all wept all day long until late evening. Can you get the picture? And then as they're weeping and they're in their their mourning and they're lost for their their families and this utter defeat in their life, they had a conversation. They started thinking, well, let's have a rock concert. Let's all get concerted together and pick up rocks and kill David. Almost had the first rock concert right there, but the Bible says David in his distress, he knew some things had to change. He knew the circumstances were not good. He knew there needed to be a shift, so he goes into his prayer closet, and he asks the priest to bring him the linen ephod. He goes to the place of prayer because he has learned the fine art of clutching in times of shifts, in times of trouble, in times of situations. He knows that he's got to find himself in the presence of God. He cannot let the depression of his moment, the distress of his day, the rock party that's forming over in the backwoods. He couldn't not let that get to him and he got into the place of prayer and he began to seek God with all his heart he began to cry out to God and he asked God what to do and God spoke to him and said pursue your enemies for you shall doubtless recover it all he's in high gear now He pursued his enemy and he recovered it all because he knew about the clutch. David understood what it meant to be a faith filled prayer warrior. And then we look at the life of Jesus. Of course, Jesus, he knew all about it. Everybody say, he knows all about it. But Jesus coming to this life, he was God in the form of, of man. And he comes, but we find him praying. He's clutching all the time. In fact, he would get up early in the morning and begin to clutch. 
at the place of prayer. He began to disengage from the, from the things of this day. Let me, ooh, let me stop. One of our biggest issues in the church today, we never clutch in the morning. Let me tell you the first thing. If you want your day to go well, if you want to make progress in your day, if you want to be successful, if you want to move from point A to point B, you can't miss your first clutch. You can't miss that first time with God in the morning seeking God. And Jesus would rise a great while before day and he would pray and then he would come home and he, and then he would pray all day and do miracles all day. And then he would come wherever he was abiding. And the Bible says he would pray late into the night. He would pray. Jesus was always praying. In fact, John 17 when he came to the biggest shift the biggest greatest when he came to his greatest day what was his greatest days when he was hung up for our hang-ups it wasn't the easiest thing to do in fact Matthew 26 and he's praying he asked his disciples couldn't you shift with me here a little bit couldn't you clutch with me here we need to disengage from the trauma of this moment and begin to tap into the presence of almighty god they couldn't do it they asked him three times could you pray could you not tarry no we can't listen and he 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 clutched if you will and he disengaged from the trauma of his moment and he began to pray and he got god's word and will in his life and then he re-engaged with the purpose of God and he got up and went about the business of his greatest day. John 17, the whole chapter is a prayer. He says, when he was about to arrive at his greatest day, to the death, burial, and his ultimate resurrection. Somebody say hallelujah. Up from the grave he arose, hallelujah. You know how he arose from the dead? God raised him from the dead, sure. But what if Jesus had missed this? What if Jesus had ground the gears right here and missed his opportunity and moment? Listen, the reason many of us miss our greatest day or our greater days is because we're always grinding the gears, trying to figure it out on our own with fear and doubt and, and, and pride and arrogance. And we, re- and we forget about the fact that we've got to clutch, we've got to disengage from this life for just a moment and spend time with Jesus and pray and seek his face and then we can re-engage into the will of God for our life Jesus was always clutching and then you get to the church Acts chapter 1 and verse 2 1 and chapter 2 and 3 4 and 5 Jesus had told them to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. But you know what? They knew something about this transition, this change, this shift in their life. I told you about the biblical shifts, and here was one of them. Last week, I told you about big biblical shifts. One was from the law of God to the grace of God, and, and then from and then uh, Jesus' earthly ministry to Jesus' heavenly ministry was a big shift. But then the church's earthly ministry. From Jesus' earthly ministry to the church's earthly ministry is a big biblical shift. And here the church is, the, 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 the fledgling church. They're in Jerusalem waiting for the promise of the Father. They don't know what that is, but they're waiting for it. And we find them praying. Disengaged from the trauma of their tribulation and their, and their persecution that they experienced because of Jesus and, and, and disengaged from all that and engaged with God at the place of prayer. And while they were praying and while they were seeking God, the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they shifted into high gear. Began to evangelize their community, evangelize their world, and hundreds and even thousands of people were born again because the church understood the clutch. 
And then you walk through them. Acts 3, we just simply find Peter and John. Uh, The power of the Holy Spirit's been poured out, but what do we find Peter and John doing? They're on their way to the temple to... Somebody say pray. They're on their way to the temple to... Pray. They realize you, oh man, they have, got, they have got it. They have connected the dots. They have become skillful and coordinated in their prayer life. I heard something awesome this weekend, and I won't mention who. I'll make it generic, but you, when you're, because it's about somebody here, you'll have to figure it out. They prayed out loud in a group for the first time. And they were going, that's the first time I ever prayed out loud in a group. Some of you go, I ain't never praying out loud in a group. Well, if you don't want to be skillful, don't worry about it. You know what that person was doing? Learning how to shift you got to be skillful. Not with verbose words of man's wisdom, but a prayer life. Peter and John on their way to the temple to pray. They were in sync. They were in flow. They were shifting. They realized, hey, if we're going to keep progressing, we got to keep shifting. And, and by the way, on the way, they found a man who was crying out, alms, alms for the poor. He was crippled. He was lame. He couldn't walk. Alms for the poor. And and Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And he was healed. Miracles happened on their way to the place of prayer. The church was learning the fine art, the skill of praying and shifting from one place to the next. From one level to the next. And then persecution came. Everybody go, ooh. And the threats came. Don't ever talk about Jesus again. Don't ever get up publicly. Read it in Acts 4. The threats came. The religious pressure, the religious persecution came. And they realized, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, things, oh, there's something happening here. Changes are happening. What we better do is push in the clutch. Read it in Acts 4. They pushed in the clutch and began to pray a prayer of faith. God began to pour His Spirit out upon them again. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the Word of God with boldness. Oh, no grinding of the gears there. And then I love chapter 6. It says, let me just get over there and read it. I wasn't there. I'm going to get there. Acts chapter 6, it says this about the church. It says, they were praying over New leaders in the church. They needed help. There was changes happening. There was shifts. Shifts in the air. And so it says that, hey, we need to change some things. And they says, we need to give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And, and the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and others. And when they had set before them, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed in the middle of this transition, when they had pushed in the spiritual clutch 
and prayed and laid their hands upon them, then the word of God spread. Uh Uh-oh, we're getting in high gear now. Come on. The word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Glory to God, we're moving somewhere now. Because we understand in times of transition, you bathe them, you disengage from this moment and engage with God at the place of prayer. And it creates smooth transition and smooth transition produces and makes progress in your life. And you prepare your ways, you prepare your uh, ways that move you into greater day. Amen. Because prayer changes things. That's why the disciples, they saw all this through Jesus' three years of earthly ministry. and They caught on pretty quick. They kept watching Jesus praying, pushing in the clutch, not fretting and foaming and frothing and feuding and getting angry, grinding the gears, none of that. Pushing in the clutch praying then going out and doing miracles coming home and praying pushing in the clutch disengaging with the affairs of the day and engaging with God concerning the next day and in the morning get up again the disciples "Hmm, teach us to do that and that's where you get the model prayer our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come Thy will be done on earth as it, is, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. And deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. A little model prayer and outline. Jesus taught them to pray. He taught them by example. And they became skillful shifting gears in life. Because they learned how to push in the clutch of prayer. And gain God's wisdom and shift and go to the next level. Amen. Some of you here have been grinding gears for a long time. You're frustrated, angry, broke, busted, and disgusted. Always in the shop. I've met so many people through my ministry career. Some of them, they they just always broke. Fix me, pastor. Preach. You know, heal me. Touch me. Lay hands on me. Help me. Always broke. It's like the guy in the altar on revival night every night. Feel me, Jesus. Feel me, Jesus. In the altar. Feel me every night. Feel me, Jesus. Feel me, Jesus. Finally, the preacher's son poked his dad and said, I think that guy leaks. <laughs> He's leaky. Now, prayer will change things. Fix things in your life. Get you from point A to point B. And guess what? You get from point A to point B in the will of God, for goodness sakes. When you learn the fine art of prayer, shifting 
successfully in life at the place of prayer. Amen. You know what we ought to do today? We ought to grease the spiritual gears at the place of prayer. Some of you have already looked at your clock. When what you need to do is push in the clutch. Some of you are so used to grinding the gears, man, you come to church, you grind them right on out, and you grind them all the way home, you grind them to the restaurant, and you get up and grinding gears, living life you way you want, grinding gears, and then you get all upset when you're broke. Point a finger at Jesus and God, how come you let me break? You didn't push in the clutch, for goodness sake. Amen. Let's push in the clutch for just a minute. Let's stand up. I want you to see yourself pushing in the clutch at the place of prayer. I sense the presence of the Lord here today. I want you right now. Don't start trying to shift. Some of you already shifting. You're picking up stuff, putting it in your pocket. Trying to figure out how to shift and get out of here. Listen, it's not noon yet, so don't worry about it. If you have to go, you need to go. I understand, but uh, hey, let's just pray here for a second. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you now to, to, to disengage from what's around you right now. Even disengage from me for just a moment. Disengage from this, from this uh, 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 scene, if you will, and step into another realm right now. And began to just talk to Jesus and enter his gates with thanksgiving and come into his courts with praise. Just begin to enjoy his fellowship right now. Could you do that right now, Father, today? Come on, everybody. You can do it out loud. It's okay. It doesn't matter if you talk a little bit there in your, to Jesus out loud. Lord, we come into your presence today. We seek your face. We disengage from this life from the affairs of this moment and we engage ourselves with you at the place of prayer. Lord, we thank you that you're right here with us. We step into your presence. We step into your presence, Lord Jesus. And we worship you today. We worship you today, Lord. We give you glory today, Lord. We give you glory. Thank you, Jesus. Our Father who art in heaven, we come boldly into your throne room. We engage you at the place of prayer today. We come right into your presence. We hallow your name, Lord. We bless your name. Your name is above every name. Your name is above every name, Lord. We worship the name of the Lord. We hallow the name of our God. And we say, as the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us, Lord, to pray without ceasing. 
Teach us to learn how to shift into the place of prayer in our life and to disengage from this life and to engage you at the place of prayer and to fellowship with you and to call out to you and love you. And Lord, we say as you taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not my will, but your will. Lord, we're tired of grinding the gears, trying to figure out how to do it on our own, Lord. Forgive us, God. We ask for your kingdom to come, your will to be done. We pray, Lord God, as hard as we work and as hard as we try to get more stuff, you told us to work and be productive, but Lord, you also taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. We put our trust in you over our finances, Lord. Lord, we're not going to grind the gears with our finances. Lord, we're going to trust you. We're going to believe you. We're going to be tithers and givers. And we're going to trust you with our finances. And Lord, we pray you'd give us this day our daily bread. And Lord, we pray you'd forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us. Lord, right now... And let me just pause and say there's someone here with relationships. You've been grinding gears. It's been trouble. It's been trauma. When Jesus said, pray this way, forgive us as we forgive others. Someone here today needs to learn how to forgive. Just push in the clutch at the place of prayer and say, Lord, I forgive them. Forgive us this day our, our sins and our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us. Lord, lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. Lord, we stand against temptation. In the power of the Holy Spirit. By the word and the will of God. We choose to follow you and be righteous and holy. Cleanse us, O oh God. Create in us a clean heart, O oh God. Keep us from the evil one. We stand strong. Keep us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom. And the power and the glory. Forever and ever. You may have never done this before. But I'm just going to ask you to try it. Let's lift our hands to God. And just begin to worship Him. Begin to glorify His name. Step into His presence. I exalt You, Lord. I exalt Thee. I Thank you, Jesus. Yes, I exalt Thee. His presence. We exalt you, Lord Jesus. I 
let's lift it up. We exalt Thee. I exalt Thee. Thank You, Jesus. We exalt Thee. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Jesus. We exalt Thee. Oh, we exalt. Thank You, Jesus. Exalt Thee. This morning as we stand in His presence, I sense an unction and an anointing to call us to a new level of commitment at the place of prayer. To begin to commit ourselves as David learned as a young boy in the morning, noon, and night, and even into the late night. I'm going to be a prayer person. I'm going to shift in life at the place of prayer. If you're here today and this message was on on track with you and, and on point with you today. Maybe you've lived in an atmosphere of grinding the gears when it comes to progress in life and future. And something about this moment has resonated in your heart and you say, Pastor, this is kind of the missing link, I think, of what I've been experiencing. And today I'm going to make a commitment to begin to live a life that learns, learns how to become coordinated and skillful at the place of prayer and move through life prayerfully rather than woefully. If that's you today and you can say, that's me, Pastor. I've been grinding the gears way too long trying to figure out how to get God to bless me and try to figure out how to get all I can and can the rest. And I just need to learn how to be skillful at the place of prayer. If that's you, just lift your hand and say, that's me. All over this room, people are lifting their hands. Lord, today we lift our hands and we pray, God, you would help us now. Lord, this message would stir people's hearts. This message of, of, of the clutch, Lord, and learning how to shift from successfully from spiritual plane to spiritual plane and, and level to level. I pray, God, that today, Lord, these that lift their hands, Lord, would begin today. They would begin tonight. They would begin to learn to disengage from the affairs of this life and engage you at the place of prayer. And, Lord, God, we thank you for that. Teach us to pray, Lord. Teach us to be skillful in prayer as David was skillful in prayer and Jesus modeled prayer and Paul prayed. And Lord, teach us to pray without ceasing. Let us develop a lifestyle of skillful prayer that moves us from one place to the next. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.